Coming up, let's play a little game of best case scenario, worst case scenario for the D-backs newcomers on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. I'm your host, Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast, of course. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out, <clears throat> go check out my website, millerthomas 24 that's my portfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. I believe we're at 364 subscribers, trying to hit 400 by the end of the month if I can. Still a whole week left, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. Now, for today's podcast, I want to do a little game of best case scenario Worst case scenario for the D-backs newcomers that they signed in free agency to their active roster. So we're not talking about dudes that they signed on minor league deals like Yuris Familia. I mean, he even might he, he might be on the active roster, but we're not talking about Yuris Familia today. We're talking about dudes who I know for sure are on the active roster that I don't have to think about. The, the biggest newcomers that signed or were traded for by the D-backs this offseason. So let's jump right into it. And let's first start. With Evan Longoria, best case scenario, worst case scenario for Evan Longoria. Because when you're looking at the best case scenario for Evan Longoria, I still don't think he's a dude that's past his prime. And that would have to play into his best case scenario. Best case scenario for Evan Longoria is basically what we saw the last two seasons with San Fran. You would want him to do that over the course of a full 110-game season without any injuries. You want him to continue to crush and be the best platoon that he can be against left-handed batters because Evan Longoria basically has like a 900 OPS the last couple of years against lefties, and that's why he was brought into this D-back squad. He's playing third base. He's playing DH. He's platooning with Josh Rojas over at third base, and the best-case scenario for Evan Longoria is he smacks around 18, what, 15 to 18 home runs, has like a 260 average, near 800 OPS, but most of the damage, 90% of the damage comes against lefties. You know when he's in the lineup, he's going to crush. He 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 gives real complimentary power to the Evelyn Gorias, or excuse me, to the Christian Walkers of the world and whoever else that will have power. Like he potentially could be the third best power hitter in this D backs lineup in terms of over the fence power. Um, still, I mean, even though he's going to be 37 years old, this is still someone that had 14 home runs in 89 games last year, 13 home runs in 81 games the previous year. So I still think he's got like. 
20 to 25 home run potential probably still in the low 20s but best case scenario this is someone that could get to 15 home runs be a power hitter crush lefties in the middle of your lineup and just be a solid stable veteran maybe the defense isn't there anymore but i'm hoping he can rub off on the younger guys and just be a solid veteran for the locker room but the worst case scenario for evelon goria is he continues this trend of not being able to stay healthy with his teams like i just said Back-to-back seasons where he played under 90 games. And it wasn't because they were load-managing him in San Fran or just because of injury. He was someone that got hurt a lot the last couple years. And you don't want to see that trend continue. The other part of the worst-case scenario is maybe he just completely falls off a cliff this season because he is going to be 37. Maybe he looks at Arizona as that retirement destination and he retires while still collecting a paycheck for a major league baseball team. I'm not saying Evan Longoria is that type of player, but sometimes when you're old and it's just a little bit harder to get out of bed every day, you're like, ah, whatever I get, whatever I produce, I produce. The results are what they are, but I'm still going to get my paycheck at the end of the day. So that would probably be the worst case scenario for Evan Longoria he either continues to not stay healthy or the age really creeps up on him because as it currently stands I don't think Evan Longoria is washed I do think he's in the decline no doubt about it. he's definitely over the hill but is he washed no I still think he's above average major leaguer still a quality productive major leaguer and I think he'll be closer to the best case scenario than the worst case scenario for the D-backs in 2023 The next player I want to talk about this segment is Kyle Lewis. And the best case scenario for him, this is someone that we traded for from the Seattle Mariners, is he's able to stay healthy. We realize that it was a fleece trading Cooper Hummel for the 2020 Rookie of the Year. And he ends up being the missing power righty, the missing power righty DH the D-backs have needed in the middle of their lineup because Kyle Lewis is someone, when you look at that 2020 season, had a very productive season with the Seattle Mariners. And right now, it looks a little bit like a one-hit wonder. But at least in 2020, of course, the COVID-shortened season. So it wasn't even a full sample size, but in 2020, he did look pretty impressive with his 262 average. Nothing crazy, but 801 OPS, 11 home runs, like five stolen bases. Like, he just looked solid. He didn't even have like crazy advanced hard contact numbers, but he had a 341 BABIP that year. He struck out 29% of the time, which you don't like, but 14% walk rate is probably something you can definitely live with. Like he had a 364 OBP. So if the D-backs can somehow get that 2020 form, if he can stay healthy and the D-backs can get that 2020 form out of Kyle Lewis, is still only 27 years old and still won't be a free agent until 2027, that would be an absolute fleece by this franchise to actually get a young quality outfielder he's 6'4 222 like this is someone that potentially could be the missing right-handed power bat for the d-backs and when you do look at that small sample size in 2020 what you like to see from his platoon splits is against righties he had a 799 ops against the lefties he had an 805 ops so this is someone that could be good against both righties and lefties and if he can actually reach his ceiling or his potential for this D-backs team and all they had to give up was Cooper Hummel. Yeah, that's a major flex by this front office. But the worst case scenario is Kyle Lewis just continues to do what he's done the last couple years where basically he hasn't been able to stay on the field. 2021, how did he follow up his rookie season? By playing only 36 games. It wasn't like he was putting up crazy production in those games. 2022, only played 18 games last season. So I can't even really talk about how he's looked at the plate the last two years. 
his production, whether he's improving or not, because we really haven't seen him the last two years. And all we know is he's someone that has some of the worst medicals when it comes to his lower body and his knees. Some people think he's done playing in the outfield. And worst case scenario is all that is realized. His knees can't hold up. He can't stay healthy. He doesn't really provide anything offensively for the D-backs. Now, he was still a flyer. It won't cost the D-backs anything if Kyle Lewis doesn't turn out to be a quality outfielder offensively, defensively. If he can't even DH, if he can't even do that, then yeah, it would be a miss for the D-backs. But it would be a flyer that won't really hurt the outlook of this team going forward. It would be more of a, you know, you shrug your shoulders and say, ah, we didn't able to turn the 2020 Rookie of the Year into a real asset, but at least we only gave up Cooper Hummel for him. So worst case scenario for Kyle Lewis still doesn't hurt the D-backs. Worst case scenario for Evan Longoria, you're like, yeah, that one might hurt a little bit because Evan Longoria is expected to be at least a contributing factor to this team in 2023 as a platoon third baseman. But Kyle Lewis, whatever he gives you is gravy. It's a cherry on top. And the worst case scenario doesn't hurt the D-backs. But if you're able to get the best case scenario, like Kyle Lewis is the ultimate swing player for the D-backs this season because Worst case scenario is probably what you're expecting from Kyle Lewis this season. You're probably expecting more of him being injured and not really being a, a contributor to a major league ball club. But if we get closer to that best case scenario where he's actually playing at least half the season, actually having some pop, showing some flashes, like if he's able to play more than 60 games in a season, which he's never able to do in his career before, then you take that as a win if you're a D-backs fan, especially if he's a positive impact player during those games. So Kyle Lewis is the ultimate flip of a coin for whether he can be a real D-backs X-Factor for this upcoming season. And if you want to bet on Kyle Lewis being an X-Factor for the D-backs in 2023, they need to head to FanDuel.com because the midway point of the NBA season is here. One second, let me go back to my... StreamYard account because I need to put the FanDuel overlay on when I'm doing our ad reads. So let me start from the beginning. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download. What did I just say? Download? The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. They can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. That's what I love to do on the FanDuel app. I see that the Lakers are playing, so you know what I'm doing. LeBron, 25 points. LeBron, 5 rebounds. LeBron, 5 assists. Then I parlay that with AD, 25 points and 10 rebounds. Chef's kiss because that's instant money in my pocket. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. But now let's continue the podcast and let's look at some other players, some other newcomers, best case scenario. Worst case scenario, and the next man on the list I want to talk about is Gabriel 
Moreno, one of the top prospects in baseball last season, acquired from the Toronto Blue Jays to potentially be the catcher of the future. And what did the D-backs have to give up? Unfortunately, they had to trade away fan-favorite Dalton Varsha, which I'm still sad and upset about. I'm hoping Moreno is a beast, and I think he will be, but I am sad to see Dalton Varsha no longer in this D-backs team. Just because, quick tangent, my dream was to see Corbin Carroll Dalton Varsho and Drew Jones as the outfielders of the future. Figure out what to do with Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy from there. But I think Varsho, Carroll, Drew Jones, nothing is getting past those three defensively in the outfield. Really sad we never got a chance to see it. But I think Gabriel Moreno is going to be a beast because for Moreno, best case scenario, I believe, is he continues to flash what he showed last season with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he actually proves to us why he was a top prospect and just makes us feel good about the trade. I don't think he has to be some all-star this season, but if he plays 100 games and has a near, has like a 280 average and like a 800 OPS with like 12 home runs and 12 stolen bases, like you'll feel good about that as a D-backs fan because in the 25 games last year, he played with the Toronto Blue Jays, 319 average, a 733 OPS, and he just looks solid at the plate. He's someone that's a pure hitter as a catcher. Maybe he's the best hitting catcher since Buster Posey or Joe Maurer. Like, I think those are the comparisons you get to just from an offensive hitting tool. And then he's also someone that is no slouch on the bases as well. I'm not saying he's Corbin Carroll out there, but he should be a catcher that steals double-digit bags throughout the majority of his prime. And he's just someone that is still only 23 years old, super young, and can just grow this D-back squad that's young with the Corbin Carrolls and the Dre Jamisons, the Ryan Nelsons. Like, all these guys are between 23 and 25 years old. And so for Gabriel Moreno, I want to see him flash this year. I want him to make us feel good about this trade and definitely solidify that he's the catcher of the future going forward. But the worst-case scenario for Gabriel Moreno is... We question if he's even better than a Carson Kelly and or we see Dalton Varsho play like an MVP. Like if Gabriel Moreno ends up just being solid this year, like if he's just fine, but Dalton Varsho puts up MVP numbers or is even like a top five MVP candidate, like that would make me feel pretty bad. And maybe that's not even the worst case scenario because I think the worst case scenario is the combination of Dalton Varsho looking like an MVP and we question whether Gabriel Moreno is the best catcher on the roster maybe the worst case scenario is Carson Kelly plays like an all-star and Dalton Varsho plays like an MVP but I think you want Carson Kelly to play like an all-star because then he becomes a tradable asset the worst case scenario is Carson Kelly looks terrible and he's still the best catcher on the roster while Dalton Varsho is over there crushing it in Toronto that would definitely make me feel the worst because guess what I'm going to be checking those Dalton Varsho box scores night after night. I'm going to be checking in and seeing how he's doing. And if Dalton Varsho is crushing it for Toronto and Gabriel Moreno is not, that would make me feel really bad. But in a vacuum, the way to justify this trade is just who's the best catcher on the roster. Because I think to start the season, it'll be a 60-40 split in Carson Kelly's favor. By the All-Star break, I think it'd be 60-40 split in Gabriel Moreno's favor. But if we get to the All-Star break and you're just like, man, Moreno is just not ready to be a full-time catcher. And the D-backs are like actually in the race in the thick of things. And you're like, man, we can't take Carson Kelly out the lineup and switch his role with Gabriel Moreno's because Moreno is just not ready to handle the duties behind the plate. He's just not ready offensively while Carson Kelly is prime, experienced, and ready right now for this playoff run. That would make me feel pretty bad, but... 
I think we're going to get closer to the best case scenario for Gabriel Moreno than worst case scenario. And that best case scenario still might be Moreno looking good and Dalton Varsho looking like MVP candidate as well. I think both of those players are in for monster years with their new respective ball clubs. Then the other newcomer that I want to talk about this segment is the other guy in this trade, Lords Gurriel. I think the best case scenario for him is he gets back to crushing lefties because this is someone that a few years ago used to have the platoon advantage against lefties, but now he's better against righties as a right-handed batter. And you also, as part of the best case scenario, he's just a great rotation outfielder and continues to crush runners in scoring position because for his career, Lourdes Gurriel has like a 305 average runners in scoring position. And you're going to have Gurriel. You're going to have Carroll Ground, Jake McCarthy. You're still probably going to have Alec Thomas in that rotation as well. So if Gurriel can just be that perfect complementary piece for the days he's in, he's crushing it. He's crushing the platoon. He's bringing home runners. He's being uh, just the perfect table setter at the bottom of your lineup and just being a perfect complementary third slash fourth outfielder I would love that for the D-backs because I think I think Gurriel's like just a solid major league veteran he's no all-star he's not someone that's going to be a big needle mover for you if you sign him as a free agent but he's just one of those glue guys that every team needs he's just one of those guys that when you get to the postseason you have runners in scoring position and then Gurriel comes up and just hits a double and drives home a run and just has a moment in the postseason series maybe he doesn't win NLCS MVP or World Series MVP, but he's just someone that's going to have a moment or two in the playoff series and just be that glue guy for a playoff roster. And I like this Gurriel pickup. But the worst case scenario of Gurriel is he continues this trend of being a righty that can't hit lefties, which the D-backs don't need because their outfield is still too stacked with lefties and they don't need a righty that can't hit lefties either. That will not help out the platoon situation going on in the outfield. And the other bad part of his game that has been trending downward is his power. His home run percentage was at like 1.5% last year. His extra base hit percentage has been going down year after year. And if he just becomes like an average fourth outfielder that can only hit righties and has absolutely no power, is basically just a dude that hits singles against righties as a righty. That would not be very helpful for the D-backs, and he's not really a stellar defensive outfielder as well, so we kind of need his bat to actually provide some offense. Like He's not a big power guy, and I'm okay with him not being a big power guy as long as he still keeps that average up, and maybe that's the worst-case scenario for him. Maybe it's not the power continuing to plummet. Maybe it's that average starting to come down because he's like a 780 OPS guy, but he's been around like a 290 to 300 average guy. If all of a sudden, if that OPS drops like 750, then all of a sudden he's like a 250 batting average and he can't hit lefties I think then that would be the worst case scenario for Lords Gurriel but he's another guy who I think is going to be closer to hitting that best case scenario and just being a solid complimentary piece in the outfield in the lineup because no one's expecting Gurriel to come here and be a star and be an all-star they just want him to be a solid role player and I think that's exactly what Gurriel will be this season. And now let's wrap up this podcast by looking at a few more newcomers coming to the D-backs. 
And we could kind of just bunch all these guys together because it's a bunch of relievers. And the first guy is Andrew Chafin. And, of course, the best case scenario for Andrew Chafin is the sheriff is back in town. He's got his hat back on. And it's like he's never left, right? Andrew Chafin was a killer reliever for the D-backs. When he was here, he was putting up monster numbers. He had some save opportunities. And maybe the best case scenario is he's the closer for the D-backs going forward. I don't think that's going to happen, but he's got 11 career saves, 64 games finished. So this is someone that can be someone that closes a game in a spot closing start if you need him to. Otherwise, he's a fantastic high leverage reliever. And I think he'll be Fantastic once again for the D-backs coming off a 2-8-3 ERA kind of year with double-digit strikeouts per nine. Was double-digit strikeouts per nine almost every year when he was with the D-backs. So best case scenario, he looks like the dude he's always looked throughout the majority of his career. But the worst case scenario is the is Andrew Chafin looking like every other reliever Mike Hazen has signed since 2020. Chafin is going to be 33 years old, so it's not like he should be some washed up veteran, but maybe he gets hurt. Maybe whatever. I don't know. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of Andrew Chafin's pitching arsenal. So I'll look it up right now, but maybe he continues to lose velo on his fastball, or maybe his spin rate starts to go down and they're just nothing a Brent Strom could do. That would probably be the worst case scenario for Andrew Chafin. He just starts looking like every other wash reliever that Mike Hazen has signed the last few years. Like, Andrew Chafin, I'm looking at it now, mainly sinker ball pitcher. His fastball, his, his sinker ball velocity lost about a half mile per hour on his velo from 2022 to 2021. So maybe that trend continues. And that's a worst case scenario. Maybe he's throwing around 90 and a half miles per hour on that sinker ball. And now just not peripherally, not as deceptive as it used to be, not as many swings and misses as it used to be, and now just a single ball that's pitching to contact, balls are being put in play, and it leads to chaos all around the bases. So maybe that's a worst-case scenario, but he's another guy. I'm not worried about Andrew Chafin. I expect him to be a stud this year. Miguel Castro, this is definitely where you start to get into the variance because Miguel Castro, best-case scenario for him is that high that, that that high velo fastball he throws it's actually effective he's actually a strikeout high leverage reliever for the D-backs that's able to get out of jams and situations but the worst case scenario is he's still a strikeout artist but that command and the control issues he has they creep up he loves to walk people and he's someone that gives up a lot of hard contact he's someone that, that likes to put runners on the bases and just leads to a lot of damage leads to a lot of loud outs and leads to a lot of runners coming home so it's very easy to see the best case, worst case scenario for Miguel Castro because best case, you're like, oh, he's a high velocity, high leverage reliever they could use to get out of jams via the strikeout, someone that you use late in innings. But worst case scenario, he's someone that's completely unplayable in high leverage moments just because you won't have that trustworthy factor. Like Miguel Castro, I can already tell is someone that when he's on and he's feeling it, you're going to love him. But when he's not feeling his pitches and he's giving up a ton of contact, you're going to be very upset at him. So I'm already getting the Advil ready for Miguel Castro. For for Scott McHugh, he's interesting because the best case scenario for him is he's the D-backs closer this season because that's what his role has been the last two years in Japan. He was a closer the last two years. So best case scenario, he comes over to the States and he continues to close and continues to look really good. Maybe he's not as good as he was in Japan, but if he's like a three, five, six ERA kind of guy with like 28 saves at the end of the year, you would feel really happy 
as a D-backs fan with that kind of production. But the worst case scenario for him is coming over to the States. He's like, man, these ball players are a lot better. And all of a sudden, my stuff is not as effective against them. He is someone that is in his early 30s, hasn't pitched in the major leagues in I think since like 2015 or 2016. So it could be a huge adjustment for Scott McHugh. So maybe the game here is just too fast for him. The players are too good and he can't adjust. That would be the worst case scenario for him. But like a lot of these relievers, they're all flyers. So you're not going to feel terrible if they don't work out. A guy like Carlos Vargas, who the D-back trade for, like another dude, best case scenario, another high leverage reliever, high velocity reliever, strikeout artist, can touch 100 miles per hour, I think. But also another guy like Miguel Castro, Lack of command, lack of control, and that's the thing that holds him back. So very easy to see the best case, worst case scenario for Carlos Vargas. Same with Cole Solzer. He's someone that has had an up and down career because when you look at his recent seasons for Cole, he's someone as recently as 2021 looked really good for the Baltimore Orioles where he had a 2.7 ear rate and 63 innings pitch. 10.4 10.4 strikeouts per nine. Like you absolutely love those numbers. A 298 FIP. But the worst case scenario is you get the Cole Seltzer from this past year with the Marlins. We had a 529 ERA. Still double digit strikeouts per nine, but all of a sudden hit a 1.618 whip because he had 10.3 hits per nine, 4.2 walks per nine. Worst case scenario for Cole Seltzer is he gives up too much contact and he walks too many people. But best case scenario is he's a high leverage strikeout artist for this D-backs bullpen and he's still in his early 30s going to be 33 years old so he's another guy who shouldn't be over the hill so those are the best case worst case scenarios for the Arizona (laughs) for the Arizona Dimebacks newcomers now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage insight might have a crossover with Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres so be on the lookout for that Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Locked On Diamondbacks. No, make your second listen of the day the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast with host Lindsey Crosby. Catch his show wherever you listen to my show on all your streaming platforms. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.